Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. We're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing one of the biggest movies of all time, or series of all time, Return of the Jedi. It was, though, wasn't it? One of the biggest movies of all time? Yeah, I mean... At the time? Even at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because worldwide it was 475. I don't know how... Because that'll take into account special editions and stuff at this point, right? I don't know. I have a question about that in my credit check. Hmm. I don't understand how it works anymore Yeah, with these special editions. But even back then, I mean, these movies were coming out all the time. They were being reissued into theaters. Uh, right, yeah. You know, constantly. Yes, absolutely. So, yes. There were, yeah, it wasn't... It... Uh, yeah, and that, that's that's really important to remember, I think, that, you know, I use the term analog binge, binging sometimes, yeah. but even in the analog way, age, there were ways to sort of repeat view. Yeah, right, right. They just required a lot more physical effort. And yeah, you had resources. to leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, when last we left, we're meeting the Emperor... We're we're getting to the alliance, and Luke is going to Dagobah. Yeah, back on Dave, Dagobah, fulfilling the promise from the last film that he'd come right. back. <laughs> Except Yoda's dying, so we've inverted expectations exactly. down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this was a good choice because that puppet's starting to deteriorate. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes don't move anymore. <laughs> But so I think I think this is really the only way that Joda's story could have gone. And, and you I know, mean, you really Frank, think that's that was it? They were like, we no, better have him I dying. Don't. I'm half I'm half joking. Like they took it, it out of a crate and they were like, Jesus, we better rewrite fa- this. <laughs> right. I I think there's I think some of I think some of that is true. <laughs> I, I definitely the eyes of was they weren't able to move the eyes like they did in the last one. Mm. Uh, but it works perfectly with Frank Oz's decrepit voice and his dying sure. creature shtick. Um, it's it's and I like how. But we I just think it's interesting that you know. I mean, how much time has passed since the last movie? We had no hint that Yoda yeah. was coming to the end in Empire. Right. True. You know. Yeah, it does feel like a little bit of a decision out of left field. It feels, but again, a decision a decision made thinking this would be the last film. Right. It feels like you know, at seven hundred ninety nine years and six months, you're fine, and seven hundred ninety nine years and ten months, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe he John Luke Goddarded it and just went to Switzerland. You know, it was like he went to his own personal <laughs> right. version of Switzerland and took a suicide drug. Yeah. I was like, eh. <laughs> one year too many um and i like that he re- reprises the muppet colombo version of yoda before he returns to luke as the wise teacher we get all the character dimensions right even in this little uh s- snapshot of yoda my favorite moment is when luke said again this series hates luke <laughs> 
he's like, then I am a Jedi. And oh, Yoda yet, laughs bitch. in his face. <laughs>, <laughs> he laughs himself into near death. <laughs> it's he, so funny, the idea. He probably that shaved Luke... off a good 15 minutes of his own life. Just... The idea that Luke Skywalker as a Jedi Knight is so funny, it nearly killed Yoda. But this is, I, I don't know, I think this is where the emphasis in the story shifts from defeating the Empire to Luke achieving his quest. Because mm-hmm. that's always been an undercurrent of this. Like, it's never been the goal... It's never been Luke's goal to become a Jedi Knight. It was that was just seen as a kind of byproduct of him defeating the Empire. Right. And I think the emphasis is totally switched now. I think it's all personal, not political. No, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I don't, I don't dislike that, but yeah. I think it's very clear that the 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 narrative. Has I would changed. add that you know maybe it seems within the idea of him becoming a Jedi that. With that, he'll destroy the Empire, but... But, yeah, that's the flip, you know, they've... That's but a, it's a flip, yeah. They've flipped the emphasis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is where we... I mean, this... Going back to Mrs. Bickford, this is where we find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Mm-hmm. Your father he is. Father he is. <laughs> can, you can't say it more clearly than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and we have another force speech here which again is not really adding anything uh, or clarifying anything we've heard about the force before it's just a reconfirmation of what we know mm-hmm. um, and Empire did it better but yeah, I like right. the fact that I like the fact we're not contradicting anything because in the next few minutes we got a lot of contradictions. We got a, we got a lot of from shit what to we've sort seen. Out. So I'm glad that we don't have to do that with the force too. Right. Um, it's just very con- it's very confusing, and I think the screenplay is confused about what it's trying to say about what Luke and Leia are in respect to being Jedi's. Because how can he be the last of the Jedi's? If there's another, mm-hmm. like the film is not, the screenplay's not resolved that contradiction. Um, unless you know Yoda's got dementia, got <laughs> got dementia uh, of whatever his species are. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how Baby Yoda develops. Maybe he'll he'll have the same confusion when he gets. To Yoda's age. Or yeah, Yaddle, you know, I think it was, back. you know, this idea of something familial. And they... Maybe in their minds they thought, uh, you know, Leia's in a place... Leia's a woman, she couldn't possibly be a No, I, I wasn't even saying that. I, I mean... Uh, I, know, I know you weren't. I was. <laughs> yeah, of course you were. But uh, I, th- I think in their minds they were thinking... You know, because everybody, since the moment we've met Luke, is always saying the Force is strong with him. Mm-hmm. So was it a thing in their minds of uh, it? maybe the Force wasn't as strong in Leia like they had to develop it and only Luke could do that? Well, I don't like I don't like where that goes. No, I, 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 yeah. I, don't, I don't like the road that... I, I think you're possibly right, but I, I don't like to think that that is what they're saying. 
I hope that's not what they're saying. It feels like it, though. You just need it? a man to interpret it. Right. <laughs> well, um, I, my hope was more that because they're family. But I don't like... I think that is, that's very dodgy as well. Because that paves the way for... It's still... You know, if, if it's even genetic... Though he's not as, if it's genetic, then that's how we get into that's the how we master get to, race. Yeah, you're right. The eugenics of the Phantom Menace. Yeah. That opens the door for that. Um... We get the disappearing Jedi trick when Yoda dies, mm-hmm. which is a, another callback to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan at the end of Star Wars and confirmation that this is a Jedi trait, not just a, a weird Obi-Wan thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not a one-time deal. Yeah, but it, uh, is it only if you're on the good side? I don't know. Because it doesn't Whatever your Vader. question is about this, I don't know. Because the end of this movie seems to contradict that completely. Yeah. Um. So here we are. We well, let's let's just talk about it. Uh, they the, this is the point where you got you beef know, with Obi Wan. No, I mean they've deferred. They've, they've deferred it as long as they can. Yeah, right. And now they have to talk their way out of a huge retcon. <laughs> <laughs> and they use semantics from a and Alec point of view. They use. Semantics and Alec Guinness's silky tongue. Yeah, to try and get out of this. But I also kind of like that Luke at least has a moment where he says a certain point of view. That was maybe the last contribution Loris Kasdan made to the screenplay. Yeah. In, in my mind, that's a good, that's his resignation letter. I'm gonna write this line of dialogue. You're on your fucking own. Um, it's like you also get this feeling that the trilogy is sort of slow it well it's pretty slow it's pretty slow already but it's slowing down in order to catch up with its own contradictions yeah yeah right and it does that by to catch up to its own shenanigans and it resolves the contradiction by saying obi-wan is a liar (laughs) essentially (laughs) and it's just it's so funny to you know like you couldn't Obi-Wan couldn't be more different than how you saw him in Star Wars yeah, right. as this force code. Because he, he was like a jolly hippie wizard mm-hmm. in that movie. In this movie, he, he you know, he openly lies and doesn't admit that he lied. No apologies. He, he says Vader's more machine now than man twisted and evil. Mm-hmm. And he tells Luke to bury his feelings. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's an ableist toxic <laughs> gaslighter. That's amazing. I love it. Um, So, and not content with resolving one retcon, they create another. <laughs> Instantly. Leia is your twin sister. Yeah. And they try and smooth it over by implying that Luke knew all along, which is yeah. And she'll say later that she knew all along. I so know, which fine. is difficult. Is is like, is like so. That's why you had that hot kiss then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like it, it's like the kind of Donald Trump theory of the big lie. You know, yeah, keep, right. Keep telling bigger and bigger lies yes. to get yourself out of a, a smaller lie. Um. I mean, is you know, we've seen the sibling reveal in so many sequels. Sure. Is it ever a good idea? Mm. 
Well, let me ask you this. Is this the most is that do, do you consider this a successful version of it or is it too problematic? No. no. OK. It just I, I mean, there's no other way of looking at it. It actively contradicts what we've seen. Oh, yeah, of course. But. And it's, I mean, that's it's so that's it's I guess retcon. what I meant was it's so writ large within the series itself. That it feels like fandom would never acknowledge that there's a problem. I, um, well, yeah, it's, I mean, Lucas is part of that as well, because he claims this was the plan all along when we know, well, sometimes he claims that, right. other times he claims that it was an accident, and it's clearly an accident. Mm-hmm. Like, the truth is it's clearly not meant to be this way, it was just convenient for them to tie it up that way. Yeah. At that time, not thinking about what had come before, which is the story of all of the prequels, right? It's yeah, like, right. And so, like, we can tie it up neatly if we ignore everything that came before. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't, yeah. But, you know, um, uh, I think Empire broke the ice on this. Darth Daddy was the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, paved the way. And yeah, it's, it makes it more of a space opera. Um, Which we know that Lucas likes and gravitates towards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. So true. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I've I've already made all the same arguments about we do does Darth Vader need to be Luke's father for the story to work? Uh, yeah, right. I'd say I double down on that here, but I'd also say that that this detracts more from what we've seen than than. Yeah. Vader being Luke's father detracts from what we've seen before, so I think so. Yeah. Um The I'll the slowest assembling fleet in history yeah. has finally assembled. <laughs> and they're going at light speed. It shouldn't take that long. Um <laughs> So we've picked up pretty much exactly where they left. All they've done in the meantime is assembled. Um Think about it from the point of view of the alliance, you know. The alliance. I may be doing that in my sequel pitch. Oh, nice, because they blow up the Death Star. Yeah. And then they're all together on Hoth. Uh huh. And then they all leave Hoth, presumably <laughs> to get to here. Wherever here is. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know. Let's meet at the rendezvous point yeah. in space. Yeah, exactly. You know space. <laughs> Han I'll and meet Leia you by that star. And Luke over there. go up on their own adventure, being chased by Vader. Meanwhile, this was th- their plan the whole time. I don't know who signed off on that. I don't think Mom Mothma signed off on that. <laughs> I think they were like, you can take a sabbatical if you want. Yeah. I'm not going to ask what you're doing during that sabbatical. <laughs> um, I like this snippet of dialogue between Han and Lando or oh, Han yeah. and Lando yeah right uh, <laughs> um, because without mentioning his portrayal in the last movie this tells us that there are no hard feelings of course and I kind of like that they don't mention it it well, makes not more at this sense point. that they it they're makes not going to bring it up would. before yeah Right, true. But it makes more sense that they would, but I kind of like that they don't because, well, not only, you know, does it tell us everything we need to know about their relationship, which is good writing, Mm -hmm. but reading between the lines, 
Han just set up his old friend with whom he has a mixed history with certain death. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's there too. Yeah. I think that's definitely the undercurrent <laughs> here is, why don't you take one for the team? Well, I do my thing. Yes, exactly. Well, I go play with teddy bears mm -hmm. in the forest. Um, <laughs> I like that we have more like non-humanoid aliens in the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, a better hologram of the Death Much. Star. And this is, you know, where you can see that they've they've taken it's the last six years that it's six years. And they've and, up, yeah, yeah, they've upped the antium creatures and effects to a, a massive degree. Does the medical droid really need to be there for the briefing? I don't think so. Probably not. But that model is already built. But they, so... I was just going to say, but it was built already, Tom. I just like the idea that, you know, at the end of the briefing, like, and for the medical droid, these are the kind of wounds you might expect from such a mission. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wounds, yeah. Close the wounds. Don't leave them open. Close the wounds. Okay, got it. Understood, understood. <laughs> uh... First appearance of Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Boy, this guy is arresting visually. They, I don't think they knew at the time how much everyone was going to love Admiral Akbar. They couldn't But he's have. so, but, right, this is the thing. So we need compelling acting masks. Yeah. Uh, emotions and visuals. For this mission briefing, because it is dry as fuck. Right, right, right. <laughs> there is nothing to this briefing. You have um, uh, it's just have, an exposition dump. It's just an exposition dump, but you get remarkable tidbits, like the woman who talks about the bombs. That's Mom Mothma. Oh, there, there, there you go. Yeah, Mom Mothma. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that, that we're trying, we're trying to distract from the fact that this is like a a very boring PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. Um, and Admiral Akbar's at the center of that because everything, he's just visually stunning as a creature. His breathing and his voice is like nothing we've heard ever or seen, seen before. or heard, yeah. Um, and you know, that's what they do. That That's, I think, I think it's, again, it's like a, a character moment or a beat that stops it from becoming monotone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Admiral Akbar does that three or four times in the in the rest of the <laughs> movie. The, from here to the end, yeah. Uh, and Luke comes in late, like <laughs> an asshole. Hates Luke, such an <laughs> asshole. I'm with you too. Sit down. This briefing is not about you. You got lucky with that one shot. Um, but we're bringing the band back together, right? This is Absolutely. where the, te the team from the original film. Um, is reassembled. Uh, it's interesting that I, I I like that snippet of dialogue between Han and Lando before because I, I don't know what to think about this next one. This conversation about the Falcon. Mm. I think they're going for something and I don't think they get there. Oh, that's interesting. I think... I think the scene, what this, this is what I think the scene is supposed to be between Han and Lando when they're talking, when he's handing over the Falcon. Right. I think that they, they want to show that these two guys love each other, but they can't talk about it, so they're talking about their vehicles. Oh, you think so? I think so? this is the this is the American graffiti side of of, mm -hmm. of George Lucas's brain. Yeah. But somewhere along the way, it just ends up being about 
the ship. Right. And it's does it's not really about Len. I, well, I, because I, I, because I we like, have a shot afterwards where he says, "I'm not going to see her again." Not yeah, that I'm not going to see been, Lando again. I'm not going to see it, my yeah, ship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where it goes wrong. It yeah. should have been like it should have been implied that he's really talking about his old friend. Yeah. Because if you think about the equivalent scene in Empire between Han Han, uh, Han and Luke, <laughs> you know where they say goodbye to yeah, each right, other. Yeah, right, right. And it's so beautifully done, interestingly, without without any dialogue. Right. That might have been the way to go again, even though it would have been a repetition. Uh, here, there's, here they're trying to do the opposite, where it's like, they're talking and talking and talking, but not saying what they really mean. Mm-hmm. Except, I think, along the way, they are saying what they yeah, mean. Yeah, right. And that's the problem. That the scene is more Which is, I care about my ship and not you. Yeah, this, it could have been a really interesting moment between the two men, but it ends up being about a man's love for metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe, and maybe that is ultimately like George Lucas's American Graffiti brain taking over. Right. Like you don't need friends; you just need a a car. You know, it's that kind of. <laughs> um, here we go again. <laughs> From C three PO, I love that line. We're really wearing on the sleeve that this is a greatest hits package. Right. We're play playing. It's like playing all your Return of the Jedi FM. Playing all your all favorite, your hits, favorite from hits from the Star Wars franchise. Coming at you. Um, and this is, you know, the scene I mentioned earlier that has the deleted Moff Jared material. Mm-hmm. Uh, where <laughs> with Vader as a anxious middle manager. Make sure everything's <laughs> running okay. Uh, Excuse me, please. Says, I just like uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is. He's very Milton in the scene. <laughs> I was told I could replay my radio between nine and nine thirty. Um, uh, and yeah, and again, this is another like I don't know why this film is so good at hierarchical storytelling, but like the power dynamic between Vader and the Emperor has changed, and right. it's very clear in the writing. With just the line, your work here is finished, my friend. Yeah. I mean, he's basically he's saying, get the fuck out. I don't need you. I don't need you anymore. I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I love I, I really I really like I really like all those scenes. Well, I think it's interesting, too, when you take. Because it's never outrightly said in either movie in Empire, Vader is clearly wanting to join with Luke. To take over, he explicitly says, you yeah. and I will rule the galaxy. Fuck the Emperor. And then in mm-hmm. this movie, the Emperor is clearly working against Vader. He needs a new sidekick. He wants Luke. Vader's yeah. out. But it's never expressly said in either movie. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so the they're Emperor's working weird. against each other. Yeah. At all times. But I think that comes Over the course of two these... movies. And I think that does come across. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Emperor's way of doing things is over. Even he knows that. Right. Oh, that's the, that's the other franchise. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrong franchise. Um, I don't know if it's the drugs, but uh, <laughs> it's very noticeable that Carrie Fisher's contributions to some of the scenes of this movie, specifically in terms of dialogue, is very limited. <laughs> yes, right. And when she does speak, she sounds like she's smoking 50 cigarettes a day. <laughs> um, so, 
I just noted that, that there are times when you feel like Leia should be speaking and she's not. And I wonder whether... I know this is like the peak of her right. addiction. They really had to rally her to even get her in the movie. Um, Admiral Piet comes back for a, for a cameo. For a cameo a nice, appearance before he nice dies. Nice piece of continuity. And they, you know, this was deliberate. They, they were going to go with someone else. And then they thought, oh, you know what? Let's get Admiral Piet back. Yeah. Um, but he's just a prop. Well, we n- certainly don't have the storytelling we had in the last movie with him, of course. I know, yeah. yeah. And then here's the, the, the dialogue, which... I guess some people on, hate. On your point... Yeah, some people... Th- I mean, it's clunky, but I kind of... I don't mind it. No, I don't I don't mind it at all. If you look at it in print... It's like, the, you know, you can type this shit, but you can't say it. If you write it down, keep your distance, but don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. It's not great, but... <laughs> I think it kind of works um, as a chewy hand moment. Gets a chuckle from me almost every time. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll give it a pass. It doesn't look good written down, but I'll give it a pass. I don't know. Fly casual. Yeah. Makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, but, I mean, and you know, there's, thing there's you... not a whole lot going on. I mean, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna get like, past it... the shield and get on the fucking forest floor. Let's go. Like fly, fly casual is one of, is one of those lines that made total sense to me as a kid, but isn't it? And I thought that when I grew up, I'd hear that phrase and understand it, and no one's ever. Well, that's said why it I think again. it's funny because it's nonsense. It really is, but it really is nonsense. Yeah. But it feels like the kind of nonsense that George Lucas thinks everyone else understands. Okay. All right. That's my only beef with it. Uh, Forest Moon of Endor, aka Northern California. Northern California. Um, uh, this is great introducing us to new terrains. Yeah, you know this is one of the the rare moments of universe building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helps, like in um, like with Hoth, that this is a real place. Yes, absolutely it makes a huge difference. And I learned something about the area that has finally given me some relief. Oh. Uh, after so long, because sometimes it's hard for me to watch trees get blown up. Yeah, I know. I don't like that very much, but I read that th- those were set for being torn down anyway. So that area was going to be I, whatever, logged or, yeah, I don't know if it was... Is this a Mortal Kombat Thailand situation? Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of like that. But I thought it made me feel a little better that I, knowing that those trees were going to come down for whatever reason, um, that might have yeah. even been environmental, you know, when it gets too stacked and they have to clear so that we get, uh, we we relieve the forest of, of burning too much if there's a lightning strike or that kind of thing. Anyway. So not quite carbon neutral, but no. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not car- carbon negative. But I'll, uh, yeah, I'll put it aside. But it just, it just, I, I went, I read that and went, Oh, thank goodness. I really, every time I watch trees get blown up, makes me a little sad. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Good for you. <laughs> Your feelings do you credit. There you go. Don't bury them. Like certain might dead Jedis will tell you to. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking, uh, this is a uh, a nice. When when Han sort of volunteers himself to deal with the errant stormtrooper, mm-hmm. 
um, there's a nice look between Luke and Leia that that says more than dialogue ever yes, could. Right. And probably in this movie would not be good dialogue. Uh, right. Uh, and it reminds me of like Empire, you know, where they did everything with minimal or no dialogue. Mm-hmm. This is another good example of that. But I, I, I feel part of it is like, well, Carrie Fisher can't really speak. <laughs> <laughs> She's struggling. Lawrence Kasdan doesn't want to write for us anymore. <laughs> um, you gotta stop thinking of what's behind the scenes. Just I know, I just know. Enjoy but enjoy what is to. on the screen. But it's so yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, however it came, you know, however it came about, it's a good yeah. moment. Um, and do you like the chase? Well, like, so stepping on a twig. In past movies, it felt like Han's recklessness was as much a virtue as it was a liability. Here, it just feels like a liability. Yeah, sure. Um, do I like the the chase? Yeah, I think it's the absolute pinnacle of back projection. Uh, thrillingly shot and edited. Agree. This is one of the set completely. This is this is one of the set pieces of the movie that that means it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, and the sound is, is incredible. So on point. I seriously think you could close your eyes and be able to tell what's happening on screen. Right. I mean, not just if you've seen it, if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I have. N- this is uh, the the most impressive bit of sound editing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, and there's no, and that and you know they make the decision to do it without music. So yeah, what right. We have, all we have is diegetic sound, and to say it excels in that. And it seems like maybe that was a conscious choice, you know, where Definitely. where they thought, listen to what we've got here. No music. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this is this isn't a point where looking behind the scenes only elevates what you're seeing on screen because, you know, they they had miniature models of it. You know, they film miniature models of it to make it work as well as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 absolutely stunned. It's sublime, is what it is, and there's something, there's something about that natural sound. It gets to the point where it, it almost feels like music. It kind of becomes ambient at one point. Like yeah, you forget where you are, what's going on in the rest of the film. You're just sort of, you're just letting sound and image kind of uh, enter your brain in a pleasing way. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the Stargate in 2001. It's like at some right, point you just right. tune out and it's just sound and image working beautifully together, not in a naturalistic way, just in a, in a moment of pure artistic transcendence and sublime. Oh, it's I that good. It. Yeah. Um, uh, Han gets angry at Luke. You know, uh, for but, losing Leia, but well, Go on, okay. just to, just to add on to that, that was one of the moments, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, the sort of the, the building up in your mind when you're a kid. And this was another scene in which, I mean, how desperately I wanted a speeder so that I could, you know. Yeah. I mean, you really, you're, you're so able as a kid to place yourself in the moment. Yeah. That you just, you, you want to be a part of the world. And Definitely. That's where this film, you it's know, immersive. this is where, you know, one of the moments where this movie starts to become so successful. It's the most, one of the most immersive sequences in the whole yeah, right. canon, even to this day. 
it's like you said you, you know you feel like you're actually part of the you know part of the world and i guess ilm will you know around this time are starting to experiment with 3d and mm -hmm. um you know like even like uh you know simulators captain eo that kind of yeah, thing right. it's sort of like it feels all part of that same that desire to build a new dimension of cinema and the sequences like this i think really um really succeed at that uh, it's, it's absolutely i think it's absolutely beautiful but you're right it works in that it works with your kid brain and it works with your adult yeah brain. right it, it, do, it straddles both in a way that is very straddles or yaddles both <laughs> in a way that's very satisfying um and then of course and no dialogue yeah right I mean, you just you know, it's like no music, but also no dialogue. Right. There's no snappy repartee, placeholder dialogue. Yeah, right. To interrupt anything that's happening, and I think that is maybe the reason why it works so well. There's yeah, and no holds up. And holds up. It's pure. It's ambient cinema. Yeah. I think is at its best in the middle of a big budget franchise Hollywood film, which makes it doubly impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh. Then so Hans angry at Luke for losing Leia. And now we and meet the, the Ewoks. Oh, it's so, like also a reminder, like that love triangle that started in the first film, and like, it's like stop making me think about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that you've thrown the twin sister at me, yes. I don't want to remember that these two guys were once rivals for Leia, mm -hmm. and one of them is his brother. Um, well, and pretty soon we'll get. Well, maybe I'll save it, but um, yeah. Well, yeah, pretty soon it gets even worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wicket. Uh, well, this, I mean, this is another, this is another moment where the, where Warwick, well, specifically the acting the makes actor, all the difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, Warwick Davis wasn't an actor. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to be a character. Right. He was just, um, and yet he's making a lot of choices that elevate this to a, kind of real character right and it's amazing I mean, to the key, me that... the key one being the the the, the headcock which he modeled after his dog the headcock and the tongue yeah and the tongue i know being able to 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 push his tongue outside of that costume yeah they said made like they he's they started teaching that to other ewoks because yeah. it made it so organic and so much so much more real this is why I don't mind that they keep recycling Warwick Davis throughout the franchise, because uh, right. he he you know he's a prodigy. Yeah, and I think I to 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 create that character under those circumstances is truly remarkable. Now obviously... I'm glad I'm glad that they saw they saw that in him and then gave him his own movie and then right. they keep employing. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. And obviously we know say Harrison Ford's stance on the Ewoks, uh, what larger fandom and culture things of the Ewoks. But when you think of the original idea, I mean, listen, Sylvester Stallone's going to glom onto this idea <laughs> just a couple years later. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> so the idea of... <laughs> Sticks and that's stones. Where, that's not where I thought you were going with the Ewok defense. <laughs> but, but just, I'm, I'm saying. It's one of the best defenses of the Ewoks <laughs> I've ever heard. You know, the the idea of a primitive culture battling against an advanced culture 
there's something to that. Now, so, you might argue about the, their size and that the fact that, of course, they all look like little teddy bears, but mm-hmm. but that idea, is that idea a bad idea? It's not a bad idea. Of course the not. Ewoks, the Ewoks, well, no, not of course not. Many people would disagree with you. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I, Many I, I people don't know. Would. I, you know. Um, From a storytelling perspective, that makes sense to me. Yes. They're also not the problem with this movie. But upon watching Return of the Jedi this time, I figured out what the problem with Ewoks is. All right. They're so concerned with making them relevant to the storyline that they overtake our heroes. That's the problem with Ewoks. It's a matter of degree, not time. Wow. They're so concerned with... So, basically, the Empire doesn't fall without the Ewoks. Yeah, right. And they keep doing this. So, first of all, Wicket saves Leia's life and saves the Rebels from being discovered. Mm -hmm. That's the first... That's an early indication that they, they want to make sure we know the Ewoks are not just cute color. We want them to be part of determining the outcome. Right. But they go down this road so fast and so hard, they discover the secret entrance to the um, <laughs> to the shield generator control station. Yes. I don't know the actual terminology. Um, they rescue the rebels when they're done for. Yeah. So basically... I think that's the problem, is that they are too involved in the main storyline. That's where I think... I mean, it's... I think You mean that a, the heroes shouldn't be overshadowed? I mean, what, what's wrong yeah, with Yeah, they it? absolutely overshadow them. There should... There, should, there is some So our heroes between... should be more capable than they are, is what you're saying? Or what? Like, why can't Both. they be saved? What's wrong with that? Because then our heroes haven't earned... Their victory. And they're, they're what we're following, not the Ewoks. All right. That's the... that's. I mean, I don't have a big issue with it. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about storytelling problem, I think that's the storytelling problem. Maybe. I don't mind them being in the movie. I just think there's something in between the, the how how important they are to the outcome of this film and them just being... Yeah cute teddy bears there's something in between that that the film never quite figures out and i think it's a problem in the third act of the movie it's for the storytelling yeah but i don't mind the works as much as people do all right um obviously you know and again a lot of this is retrospective great line from uh spaced edgar wright spaced with simon Pegg. you know jar jar makes the walks look like fucking shaft <laughs> um, if you read it retrospectively, of course it's the beginning of the end, right? In terms of c- comic sidekick creatures, yeah. But in in the movie, it more or less gets away with it, with those few caveats that it probably shouldn't have been as important to the outcome as they are. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So that's those are my those are my feel. So I'm I'm not quite as I'm not quite as pro Ewok as you, but I'm definitely not as anti Ewok as. No, I mean I recognize their forgive the pun shortcomings, but hey, hey oh, <laughs> life is shortcomings. But I, I think you, you know, it's a, it's an interesting point. The idea that that it makes our heroes too passive. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, yeah. And that's not on them. That's right. That's just how they're used in the story. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, wh- uh, let's take another break and... Oh, God. <laughs> Dear God. Then we'll come back. Are we ever going to get... <laughs> for the love of God, gonna... maybe we can try to finish this movie. Yeah, let's see if we can... Let's see if we can get to Death Star 2. All right. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. We're back once again, everyone. Tom and I are here discussing Revenge. Sorry, Return of the Jedi. (laughs) We never talked about that up top. That this was originally called Revenge of the the Jedi. Yeah. And there are posters that That say say Revenge Revenge. of the Jedi. Yeah. And that, that the reason it was changed was because Jedis wouldn't take revenge. Mm hmm. I did return the Jedi's fine. I do too. I mean, revenge is again. You sort of like it's how 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 much of a serial do you want your film to sound like? Yeah, but it also do you, do you want Attack of the Clones or do you yeah, want? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like also making certain it's words also, push it in certain directions. It's also reminding me about sort of you know the the selling of the movie. Because I remember three distinct posters for this movie. You know, Mm. these kinds of movies and the Indiana Jones movies have those sort of serial, you know, see every character in the movie kind of montage. Like, you (laughs) know, like the the Bollywood is really inherited. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're familiar of that one with Return of the Jedi. But I also remember seeing posters of just hands on a lightsaber. Interesting. In outer space. And I also remember the one that's all red. With uh, Vader's dark helmet looming large over Skywalker's silhouette in black, in that with his lightsaber in the last fight, that was a poster too, and that was you the one the... I think that said "Revenge of the Jedi." Yeah, you get the sense that there was a much darker movie planned. Yeah, than the one we actually got, and I'm always struck. I think I said this to you off mic. It's like Luke is dressed entirely in black, right, and that that suggests to you that that he's going down a path towards the dark right. side but you don't really see that in the apart from in specific moments you don't really see that as a through line in the movie yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. I mean, these the 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 final part of a of a trilogy is so difficult to to know what because you've got two films worth of very different tones and ideas to sort of merge. Yeah. Uh, and I think this this film does a great job of it overall in speaking to both Empire and Star Wars. Yeah, I, I do too. But it's uh, interesting. More than it gets credit for. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I just think it's interesting that so many people think of this. There's a narrative that this is sort of a weak movie. Yeah. And it's not that. Not, not for me. No. No. I, I again, it, it, it's. It, you got to look at what it. Event what the series eventually becomes, you know. Yeah, right. You don't know. You you never had it so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and much of what we're going to talk about in the next one, possibly two segments, um, right. is is uh, <laughs> yes. is a is a big part of that. I think. Yeah. Like working towards a, a very satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Well, like you, you know. We, we're starting to get to the most effective part of this movie, but first we have to have our heroes captured by little bears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I mean, it, I, I just, I just, yeah, getting caught in the net, it, it's, you know, it harks back to the caperish quality of the first movie, mm-hmm. but they've slapped on an extra coat of slapstick, right? Yeah. And that's the... That's what it feels like. It feels and like great Muppet Harrison paper. Ford gives his Harrison Ford gives his real life reaction to being yeah. surrounded by an army of teddy bears. <laughs> um, you know, he also I gives wish... his his real life kind of want when he pulls <laughs> when he th- chucks that say that spear yeah. away and pulls out his blaster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> None of that was in the script. Right. Um, and you know, worshiping C three PO, if you're gonna do a tribal culture, try not to fall back on some of those colonial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> on the plus side, C three O C three PO is useful again. Right. <laughs> he gets to literally and it, and... tell 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 the Ewoks and the audience everything we've seen up to this point. Oh yeah, I mean it's we we it's recapping the trilogy. Using only sound effects yeah. and an alien language, so it's an impasse. It's an impasse that's, that <laughs> uh, speaks to the global appeal of Star Wars. Right, like, right. Anyone from any country could understand this, right? <laughs> I think that's what they're going for. Uh, and you, as you said, you know, with the divine intervention line, it adds a nice dimension to the C three PO solo hostility, yeah. because now he can't berate or attack him as he's protected mm-hmm. by the Ewoks. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that button. When they are captured, he's an old friend of mine. Yeah. Apart from Chewbacca, we've never delved this fully into the world of any of our alien characters as we have with the Yeah, Ewoks. right. Um, it's it's they're all in, right? We oh, see yeah. their we see their uh, communities, yeah. their homes, their communities, where they live, culture. where they eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how how how. They, it's Star Wars holiday special, really, yeah. writ large, isn't it? Because uh, they're even <laughs> able to apparently sew together a dress for Princess Leia. 
<laughs> and and this this is a moment where I think maybe more successfully they they're trying to make this Ewok digression work to develop the established characters in the movie. So Luke having to use his for his newly yeah. uh, found force powers to make it look like C three PO is magically floating in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that's a big moment because we know because he didn't he wasn't able to do anything like that in empire right so there is growth there and i think that's a better again i think that's part that's balance right it's like it's not overshadowing luke but they have to get out of a sticky situation involving the ewoks so (laughs) i think that's where the rest of the movie should be pitched but it's not um what do you think about this is another sequence that gets it's not sequence there's another scene that gets a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, tapping C-3PO on the shoulder. I mean, it's full vaudeville, but... It gets a lot of shit? Oh, yeah. People hate that as a comic button. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's it's very vaudeville, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, not unfunny. I mean, it sticks within both characters. I like I like Hands C-3PO's... Hands being a dick um, in, the, in the best dickish hand yeah. way possible. So it's like for you, it's voyage home level integrated sure, yeah. character comedy. Yeah. Okay, I like C three PO's reaction at the end. Oh, love it. Uh, he's you forget that he's having to act from beneath several inches of metal. Yeah, exactly. And you know his training as a mime artist really comes out. It's there. amazing. And I actually going moving forward, I think I think David Prowse or whoever it is mm-hmm. does a really good job of suggesting. Like Vader's conflict, absolutely, yeah. Any any dialogue. Uh, we're not there yet, but that conversation with Luke is, yeah. So, oh well. Speaking of conversations with Luke, here's where so, he reveals to Leia. Yeah. Now, that, who also now, seems this to is know. not this movie's fault. But if no, you're right. This movie was saddled with this. You're right. You're right. Well, no, no. What? what no. What are you talking well, about? What I'm actually? talking about because. <laughs> The prequels, this movie saddled itself with this. The prequels are going to choose to do something that grains against this conversation. Luke, yeah, but by by saying "remember you," do you remember your mother and her going into it? Again, it's like they've not learned the lesson. They're writing themselves into another story hole. If anyone ever picks this up again, right, they're going to have to remember this, which is kind of easily forgettable. I mean, oh, see, I don't, I don't think I'm so. Not... I, I, to me, every time I watch it, I think, how could you not forget that she said this? But you don't need to be as specific. That's it. You, you just need to keep to the vagaries of it and let the next guy figure it out. It's a rare instance of where yeah, I think right. this film doesn't need to be as specific as it is. Other times it needs to be more specific than it is. But on this occasion, <laughs> I would be happy with it being like, and even, why does he even need to ask this? Well, no, yeah, he doesn't have to. Of course not. <laughs> this is, I mean, I, I, sure, you can't just go straight into it, but you could find it is sort of like, you know, I don't know. Um, also, the assumption that we all know that she's adopted, which has never come up before. <laughs> um, uh, somehow, as all, I've always known, I mean, again, it's not true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You haven't been acting like you've always known. You keep making out with them. But the biggest problem of this scene, which I think is fine overall, um, Han 
comes in, like bursts in afterwards, and he cites the Luke love triangle. Yeah, right. In the argument, I'm like, okay, do we? Do you want us to forget this romance, or do you want to remind us of it? You can't do both because if you do both, it makes me sick. <laughs> Uh, You've got to retcon a whole lot more than just this fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, have another reunion of Vader and Luke, of course. I love this scene. Um, I think this scene It's a great is... scene. I love the fact that Luke is in control for the first time and Vader is a fucking shambles. Yeah, exactly. It's the inverted the power dynamic from their last meeting where, you know, Vader's cool as ice and Luke is this is like the screaming. It makes it so interesting. It is. It's good. It's good writing. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I think there's a lot of great work being done from underneath that suit. Yeah. Whoever it is. Yeah. At that time is doing a great job. Absolutely. Possibly David Prowse does a great job. <laughs> Um, they 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 try and slip in a new piece of Jedi mythology here with the constructed a new lightsaber yes. as a Jedi right by the passage. So it's really good that they didn't have that deleted scene where Luke constructs his lightsaber because he literally puts in a Kyber crystal like a battery and it comes to life. So it's like it's like <laughs> not in, that's not impressive, right? Okay? That's like putting batteries in a remote. It's not now. Impressive. What do you do you because. Uh, was it a big deal for you as a kid? I remember for us as kids, it was a big deal that there was a new color of lightsaber. Um, we loved seeing a green lightsaber. We thought that was so cool. I can see. Yeah, I can see why. And it is a cool it's, it's a cool color of lightsaber. I mean, to me, credit to the series, it all made sense in terms of the storytelling. It's like I need a, you know, I need a new lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Uh, how about this color this time? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and as you said, this scene is really good because the conflict is apparent in both dialogue and physical acting. There's real tension in this scene. He yeah. says, it's too late for me, son. And Luke says, my father is truly dead. And that's um, capping the end of act two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, then we go back to the to the gang. Yeah. Uh, with their new teddy bear friends. But now, you know, now that Luke is separated from the group, we are mm. we are finally getting to one act 3, but two we're getting to beyond two storylines. We're getting multiple storylines and to me this is where the movie gets really really good. Be mm. You know, partly because of that. I think some of some of the story strands are better than others, but yeah, I would agree with you overall. All right. Um Chewie and me have gotten to a lot of worse places than this. <laughs> they may have thought that this was the last movie, but this lays out a past for the pair yeah. that seems ripe for future adventures to fill the gap. And this is exactly what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's what ended up being Solo, but there were so many Han Solo books uh -huh. uh, in the expanded universe. And uh, he's sort of the only character, him and Chewie are the only characters I actually think you can do that with successfully. That's interesting. I think that hmm. they're just enough outside the main mythology, and they've talked about being together. Yeah, for right, so long right. That it's it's actually like I can see that as a springboard to new storytelling rather than just you mm -hmm. know lazy uh, filling in the gaps kind of storytelling. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the fleet, there's the Falcon leading the fleet into battle. Right. Luke's going to meet the Emperor. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me that the entire, you know, there's like a self-contained story strand, which is about the attack on the Death Star, which contains no legacy characters. Yeah, right. Like, the only one we even know is... Is Lando. uh, Lando. Who we've known from like the second act. Well, and Wedge. Wedge is there. That's true. Wedge is there. Um, And that weirdly is the key to the success of it all. (laughs) Right. Don't you think? Yeah. That and the fact that it's played so straight. Oh, yeah. Straight up. And and it's so much about showcasing the work that ILM have done. Right. Without too many distractions, yet there are enough character beats and moments again. The six years, yeah, the six years that have passed since 1977, or just before that, when they were working on it. Yeah. You know, you really... It's a a triumphal... It's, you know, it's quite a feat. It feels like it's... It's really interesting to me, because it feels like it's building on... The entire trilogy, yes, and kind of giving us this show-stopping finale, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they were going with in Rise of Skywalker, and it couldn't have backfired more. more. Right? I'm like, I'm like, what's the diff? I'm like trying to think to myself, what is the difference? And a lot of it is just straight-ahead storytelling. I think. Do you think there's anything to? We, I think you were saying maybe in the ranking episode that. Everything in it feels so organic and real yeah. that you're seeing it really happen. Yeah, and the people feel real. Right. Even the ones that look like a lob, you know, looks like a Lo- human like a lobster, lobster, right? Reads as a human being. Yeah. And I think I think La- you know Lando slots into that maverick general role like oh, hand in a glove. Like hand in the glove. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for just you know playing it straight down the middle, mm-hmm. especially when what is around you is so impressive and you don't need to. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to sugarcoat it. You don't need to add an extra layer of gloss on anything. There's and a couple of things kind of within this too. Um, one, I like seeing how savvy Lando is. He's able to right. figure things out. Yeah. On Without the him and the Ewoks, the rebels are done. Right. <laughs> and then there's always this one moment where the, the biggest ship, the ship that Admiral Akbar is on. Yeah. And the you could kind of tell it looks funky in the window where the the Death Star <laughs> kind of tilts yes. like this. And you start thinking, oh, that doesn't look good. But then they show you immediately this establishing shot yeah. of that ship turning, and you're like, yeah. that's probably what it does look like. Like every time what yeah, an effect you can that see doesn't that you... seem quite up to par yeah. looks amazing, or not amazing, but yeah. like the effect it after it is so amazing that it retcons immediately into a fine effect. Well, light, light and magic really. What if you watch that documentary? It reinforces, you know, these guys were not just creative geniuses; they were problem solvers. Yeah, right. And all of it speaks to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, Luke is delivered to the Emperor. I really love how sparse and simple these scenes are. Mm-hmm. It's just acting and the bare bones of the scene, right? The dialogue doesn't overtake anything. Well, and it's, um, you know, 
Because we've, we've been talking before in this movie about how nothing's happening. Luke's just mm. at the top of this tower talking with the Emperor for a good long while, but it's always interesting. By the way, did you notice how much that elevator looks like the 1970s Warner Brother logo? Oh, no. With the three, really? with the three red bars. Yeah. I've always thought that, anyway. Oh, that's funny. Um, now that you I say lo- whoever it, yes. Their, whoever their architect is for the Death Star <laughs> right. is magnificent. Um, but you're, I mean, you're getting great work from Ian McDermott. You know, you, the, well, he and then, you know, I think you he, you know, he's, this. He, he also catches a, <laughs> yes, he also catches a lot of shit because because he's playing a very heightened character. Mm-hmm. But when he gets the chance to do something understated. He takes it and it's really chilling. Yeah. Like you see through the bravado, it's like, oh, this, you know, it's it's in, again. I don't make the you know the Temple of Doom comparison. We sort of go like we go from raiders with these grounded real world villains like uh, Belloc yeah. to Molaram who goes <laughs> and disappears into a trapdoor. Right. And the Emperor feels like, again, you've got, you've kind of, you started with Grand Moff Tarkin and ended up with this, this laughing, maniacal thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's another side to that, which shows you just how dangerous this man yeah. is. So be it Jedi. So be it Jedi. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and, you know, this is, we get another, another parody, parody to death moment in the stand. <laughs> The red leader standing by and Family Guy have a great, you know, red button standing by sort of thing like that. It's every red in the you can think of. Um, and then, you know, the, another weirdly famous line, it's a trap. Yeah. Um, and again, that's one of the character moments and beats that makes all the difference. And it's particularly impressive because we don't know who these guys are. Yeah, right. And yet we sort of understand them, mm-hmm. which is really well done. Like, I, you know, the, the Elo Nasty or whatever. Like, I don't know what he's about, <laughs> whatever he's called, in The Force Awakens. <laughs> you asked me to describe Admiral Akbar's character. I can tell, you know, like, I can I could give you adjectives. Yeah. But yet, I've not had a scene where we learn anything about nope. him. It's just how he appears You know in what he's scenes. about, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this is where, and as you say, this is where Lando really earns his hero badge. Oh yeah, because he because he anticipates the trap before it's sprung. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, uh, and it's his idea to get closer to the star destroyers. Yeah, because you're not gonna use your your Death Star and shoot at them. Yeah, you know that's smart. Um. And the series at this point is still struggling for diversity, but it's good that we see some black and Asian faces yeah. in the uh, in the attack force. Like, whereas once they'd all be white, mm-hmm. and it's impressive for 1983 that when they have their kamikaze moment, it's not an Asian pilot. Yeah, right. I like that they've thought that through. That's that because that, it, yes, as you right. know from your your Project 1982 podcast, that is by no means a given no, at this no, point no, in no, history. No, 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 yeah. In, in fact, I think I Mandela affected it in my head that it was the the Asian pilot doing that, which I might have done. I might have done the same. You're right, but it's really not. Nope. And credit to the film um, for that for getting that right. It's really interesting to me that um, with the scenes with the Emperor Vader and Luke on the Death Star, mm-hmm. 
it's all done with direction and editing. Like, minimal dialogue is needed. Yeah. It feels like they're still in the Empire Strikes Back and everyone else is in the Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but I like all of that that's going on between them. This idea, because it, it, yeah. it's communicated it's really well. well. Made. It's really well done. Yeah, it's communicated well that, you know, I guess there's a part of you when you get even in the prequels, like they're always using their fucking lightsabers. So there's this idea that a Jedi is not supposed to, you know, yeah. use yeah, it's just sitting the there weapons the, and it's just his, sitting there. On his chair. Yeah. But what's good about this is, is it's connecting to that part of Luke of, uh, you know, you've trapped my friends. Everything mm. looks like it's gone to shit. So I'm going to lean into this for a moment. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, he has to lean into it to beat them. And then is able to throw it away in the moment of of choice. And yeah, all of that I, is I just, set up in this moment where they're talking back and forth. And, and it's still almost nothing's happening, but it's interesting to me. It's it's compelling. You're dead right. And I think it I think I really love how static those scenes are. Mm-hmm. Like even to the point where they're clearly repeating shots. Yeah, right. But. All of it, you know, and and I think this is what you're saying about the cross-cutting between the storylines is actually really well handled. So it's always in it, the right you know, exact spot. Yeah, exactly. When you're, so yeah. you know, when when the Ewoks are getting ridiculous, Wicket's hitting himself in the face. Yeah, exactly. Death Star scene, which just sobers us up before we get to the next. Bit then of you're gonna immediately see a thousand Tie Fighters chasing all manner yeah. of Alliance I mean, ships. It looks, space battle looks incredible. It looks so I, I don't good. know what else to say, but it's the peak of the dogfights. Yeah, uh, and played. And again, I keep, keep saying this, but it's played straight. You know, it's like you don't need to, you, you don't need to polish any of this. No, it, right. It, it's all, it, it's as polished as it's ever going to look, and feel. Um, yeah, and the Death Star fires, uh, which again is called back to. The original movie mm-hmm, it was about sure. this point at Star Wars when we when Tarkin blew uh, tested. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, oh no, I guess it was early. Well, it was uh, halfway through there. Uh, but it's a twist within this movie, which yeah doesn't have many surprising moments. Uh, it's a good one, um, and we have a nice little inversion where you think R two is going to open the door once again, right? But it get but he gets blown, blown up away. and he gets inverted. Yeah. And they have to find another way to get the door open. And you just knew they were going to invert the I love you. But this that that really interested me because I we now think of that as a famous line. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting when like future sequels refer back to lines yeah. in previous films as if they're famous. And you're like, so when did we start thinking of this as a famous line? <laughs> and if you go off this movie, it was sometime in 1982. Yeah, right. Enough for them to like say, we need a callback to this because, you know, it's one of the key, one of the iconic moments of the series, right. like the Death Star firing, like C-3PO and R2-D2 in the desert. Mm-hmm. It's part of the tapestry. But that's fascinating to me. I had no idea that it was that instant. Uh... Um, a hit, I suppose, that they would put it. Oh, on Oh, I think I remember hits. that. Yeah, yeah, that they put it on their greatest hits album right, after right, like right. a year. Um, yeah, uh, this is this is where I've got Harrison Ford doing a lot of Norman Fell faces. Oh yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on here, which is he suddenly know, has become par. very golly the, shucks. Yeah, the 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 you know the Ewok taking the speeder, mm-hmm. which sort of detracts a little bit from the original speeder chase. Wicket hitting himself in the face. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't need a comedic moment when all you're doing is comedic moments. Yeah, but they also <laughs> take the time. You know, you see like stormtroopers violently throwing <laughs> Ewoks around. And you see, you get a couple of establishing shots of of uh, Ewoks dying. Yeah, I I don't think that lands. You don't think so? No, I I think I I always appreciate it a little bit. I feel like when they with the Ewoks when they go for comedy or pathos, it's too much in either direction. Hmm. They should just. The thing I like about it, which is what you're speaking to with the Rambo analogy, is like the the. The guerrilla warfare. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because what I like about it... There should have been no hand-to-hand combat Mm -hmm. in any of these scenes. (laughs) That just looks ridiculous. But all that sort of setting up, you know, the log traps and the... All of that makes... You know, because we have historical precedent for that. It's the Viet Cong. Right, exactly. Very recent memory. Uh, But everything else just kind of... It's very hard to take seriously... Like teddy bears actually hitting them on the head with with like a glockenspiel, right? Right. Uh, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's again, it's a matter of degree. It's not that it shouldn't be there. It's just that we should think a little harder. I about just keep thinking. Imagine, you know, this movie being made today. I don't think you would show a cute teddy bear dying. I just like okay. that in 1983 they said, "Yeah, they're cute and they're fuzzy, but they can die." Yeah. I'll give you that. All right. Um, but I think it's... And again, it takes away from the Rancor moment, which is... Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, I... Um... Oh, yeah, so when we get back to the Death Star, I really like how low-key and stunted the lightsaber battles are. Yeah. Is it a totally different flavor? Yeah. And also, I mean, it's good because it circles back to, you know, the original lightsaber battle in Star Wars, which is two men stumbling towards each other. It's well, a little bit that, of that, but, but a brand new flavor of like... Because there's stakes within it. There's it's the, it's Yeah, there's stakes the, within it. It's the side dish, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. Like we're, not, we're not sort of, as you, you know, you said in, you know, in Phantom Menace, it's uh, they're using lightsabers for everything, even to like open doors. Right. So it's right. like you <laughs> right. can't... Right. Um, this it does it feels spare in a really interesting way. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah, is Harrison Ford used doing his Bob Falfa voice when he's pretending to be an Imperial troop? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really sounds like Bob Falfa. It to does. Me. And I love I'd love it if that was true because then he's it's like a love letter to George Lucas, right. really, isn't it? Putting him in in movies. Uh, I like his shrug. I think this is another divisive. Harrison Ford acting moment when all the guards come out. Yeah, yeah. and he does a little shrug because to me it always read as it's all in the game. Yeah, right, right. I used to be on your side, now I'm on these guys' side. Maybe in the future I'll be on your side. <laughs> I don't know, but a lot of people see it as you know pure sort of you know end of uh, like t- sitcom title sequence, right? Kind of stuff. And yeah, that's elements There's there. In there that's but... there, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think like, hey, you know, 
You win some, you, you win lose some, some, you lose some. Yeah, that's yeah, because that's how I've always felt about it. It's really nice. It, it, I guess, partly the reason why the lightsaber battles work so well is that you set the stakes, but also when Vader starts taunting Luke, mm-hmm. I really like that it's a psychological rather than a physical battle. Yes. That part I like. Because I'll that's also new. Say, it hasn't really taunted him in this right. way before. But before you get to that, there's also a moment that, you know, this movie indulges a little bit in sort of kid fantasy because there's a moment where he throws his lightsaber. And as a kid, <laughs> you always think to yourself, why doesn't anybody ever just throw it at him? Yeah. And he does. But like you said, I mean, that's a minor point, but uh, I, I really... I really love the psycho the psychology behind yeah. these moments and that taunting moment in which I he's mean, trying does, it, to lure Luke out. He he's literally trying to get him to come to the dark side. And it's it's full on psychodrama because you know when he cuts off Vader's hand. But before that, I I just want to say oh. cuz the fight when he actually gets Luke to come out. Mm. One, it's shot just beautifully. I think it's amazing looking yeah. how how oh, all yeah. of that comes together. The tracking shot. The tracking the shot, shot is the amazing. Combat, the music. The, and I was just going to say, the music to me is almost second to none to in the series. It's so good. This choral as John Williams ever needs to right. get. Didn't learn his lesson by Jewel of the Fates. It's <laughs> as choral as you ever need to be. Um... Yeah, and uh, with his with the with the severed hand, it's it's sort of interesting that it's like full on psychodrama, isn't it? Because the literal meaning of of this is, you know, it's just a coincidence, right? Yeah, so, right, exactly. Yeah, it's like we both have metal hands, yeah. you know. But in in the you know in if but you in read the it uber psycholo- sense, it's oh, I could yeah. become you. I am going. I could become. I'm you, going right. to become you, or I am good. becoming you. And I kind of like it because, you know, it, sure, it's it's like in House when he, you know, he's trying to, f- he, he can't think of what the ailment is being caused by. And he acts, you know, and then he picks up some chewing gum and he's like, wait, we haven't, we, we've only looked at what he's ingested, not what he's put in his mouth. You know, it's that kind of non, yeah, uh, right. that's not a real House storyline, but it could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And this is the same thing, but it's good because they need to find a character reason why Luke doesn't go over to the dark side because there's sort of no reason for him not to at this point. Mm-hmm. And yet they found it, which is like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm already going down this path. I must stop. This is where I need... If I'm going to stop. I need to stop here. And he does do uh, the Jedi thing of... I mean, he throws his lightsaber away. I will not away. fight you, yeah. Yeah. Uh... And like we've already then, referenced it, but you get the menace of so be yeah. it Jedi. So be it Jedi. That's the, exactly the moment I said it's like very understated, yeah. much more so than you'd expect. But I also want to br- I also in that moment want to bring up I mean it's not we're, you know we're basically there. I think we cut yeah. away in the film, but uh the moment after that when the lightning's coming out of the fingertips and Force lightning. Yeah, Luke is Luke is pleading with his father, and you mm. see Vader looking from yeah Luke back to the Emperor, and again it's good work beneath a suit because you can see the the wheels in his head turning and you can see him make the choice. 
And he's and he's basically he's got the same approach as Warwick Davis. Yeah, right. Because he does the he does the dog cocking the head to the side. Yes. But it works. Yes. It works. It suggests what you what it needs to suggest. But what I also want to say in favor of this movie is I think we've had two full movies. Yeah. Two and a half mm-hmm. full movies to to hate Darth Vader. Yeah. And for this movie to be able to make an audience turn. Yeah, in his well, favor, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone who watches this movie because I know there is there are people it doesn't work on who don't buy it. Oh, uh, that's I nonsense. Do. No, well, it's not. It, I mean, it's fair enough. I mean, it's pretty late in the game for him to turn. They they preface it somewhat. I think because uh, of the good work you see in the scene before it, where he's just talking with I'm Luke. playing devil's advocate here. I'm on your side. Yeah, right. Um, I think, I think, to me, and this might just be pure headcanon, but it's there from the moment you see him drop his hands at the end of Empire. Yeah, I would agree with he that, too. He goes from a fist and he drops his hands. Like, and it's the first time you see him vulnerable. Yeah. And from that point onwards, you're more willing to accept that, that he might... that. That he can, that he's vulnerable, you know, that he has emotions. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but I, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone because uh, I think there is some resistance to that late in the game turn. Um, special guest force superpower. Yeah. Force lightning. Yeah. This is our, this is the movie's uh, new force superpower. And it's a good, it helps distinguish the dark side from the light side, which we never do again. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, so, yeah. I got to say as well, at least in the spe- you know in the special edition, the the beauty as you said, the beauty of that scene is is that it's all done silent with silent acting. Yeah. And of course, the first thing George Lucas does in the special edition is to yes. add lines, right? <laughs> Specifically, the line "No," <laughs> um, which you know could not ruin it more. Yeah. And that's all I need to say about yeah. that. Uh, so, but I agree. I think it's a really strong ending to his character arc. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been, I think that it's, it's been building since the end of the last film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's charted really well through the movie. So I do agree with that. I can see, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I think you're right. I think, I think there's enough. Um, I absolutely do. Will I be drummed out of Star Wars fandom if I say that this is my preferred of the two trench runs? Oh. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I absolutely love... It's one of my favorite things in cinema. Is the Falcon and the X-Wings going inside the Death Star. I have to, I love it too. I, I. It's just... It's Star Wars boiled down to its basic elements... Mm-hmm. And it's always made more sense to me than the there's this Achilles heel, you know, this one right. weak point. It's like no, they go into the Death Star and they blow up the core. Yeah, they they get they get to the center of it. Yeah, and that makes it different enough from the original, but better in my mind because it makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah, but um. I don't know. I don't think most people feel that way, but I, Is that right? I honestly, I'm really surprised. One, I don't know. One of my favorite. It's so visually interesting. 
You can see how far they've come too compared to the. um, I think probably my favorite shot in all of Star Wars is uh, um, the precise moment the Falcon comes out of the fire. Yeah, but 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 not when it goes out into space. It's when the fire is surrounding it. As the the core is collapsing, this is all in one shot as well. Oh That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The core collapses and explodes behind the Falcon as right. the Falcon is going, uh, is is leaving the co- the engine room. Yes, it's called. yeah. I'm going back into the into the alleyways, halls, the halls, you call yeah. the halls, <laughs> the trenches. Yeah. And there's a there's a shot of the fire cut of like yeah, and it's just. Everything is in unity for that one moment, mm-hmm. and it never fails to leave me breathless. Like I always think that the Falcon's gonna get covered in flames, and to still do that after I don't know, like thirty, forty viewings, right, is just kind of magic. Uh, so it's it's powerful in a way that I don't think it gets credit for. Right. Um, We're in lockstep on that one. I think it's so much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah, we have a great character beat here with Akbar after the Super oh, Star Destroyer yeah. goes into the Death Star, where he breathes a sigh of relief. Sigh of relief, I love it. But it's also a, it's also like it's it's loaded with sort of melancholy, melancholy right? and sadness. I was just gonna say, it's just yeah. another great piece of character acting. Is it's like the Napoleon, the only thing worse than a defeat yeah, as a right. victory kind of moment. <laughs> It's all going on there. Without that, that you know, it doesn't land because you know Admiral Peart dies, and we don't give a fuck by this point. Yeah, right. And I really should have had a better ending for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Vader takes off his mask. Yeah. Does that is... pay off for you? Yeah, because we've been building to it yeah. since we saw him in that egg in Empire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although it's funny that it's yet another person inside. <laughs> I know <laughs> we're adding to the number of actors playing this one character, but, but it's great that there's a strong actor in there. Yeah, to share that moment with Mark Hamill. You were and, right. Well, it's re- like tell tell it, your it, sister you were right about me. That's this scene. This scene needs really to land emotionally. Acting. Yeah, yeah, and it does so because you, of that. Yeah, it's Sebastian. It's really interesting because uh, <laughs> I I read in Brian Blessed's autobiography, which of course I own. Um, that's, he was friends with Sebastian Shaw who plays Darth Vader in this scene and, and uh, he came to him once and says oh I've been, he had never heard of Star Wars he didn't know anything about it mm-hmm. I mean he was aware of its existence but he hadn't seen any of the films he said oh they, they cast me in the Star Wars and Brian Blessed was like oh yeah yeah they cast a lot of British people in that, it's like who are you playing some man called Darth something and Brian was like, you, Darth Vader. He's like, yes, I think that's it. But that kind, I kind of like that because there's, it, you know, he's just playing the part. He's playing it straight. How it needs to be played yeah, in the exactly. moment. Like he, he does, you know, he's not a fan. He does, he's not, his mind is not distracted by other things. He's not trying um, to make it seem important. No. It becomes important because he plays the moment honestly and... For what and it I was. think you know it's cheesy, but you really do see Vader as Luke's father for the first time. Yeah. Uh, because you know you don't even have a sense that the guy in there is that old. Yeah. Until he takes off the mask. Um. Yeah. Uh, Leia finally tells Han that you could stop worrying about me fucking my brother. 
<laughs> now, I'm I'm I don't know I don't know if you have the I suspect you have this note too. This is like a threes company style misunderstanding going on here. Oh yeah, totally. You usually the one to point that out, but I, but it's also I... it's also something that could have been you know cleared up in the middle of Act Two when he's he, his... he's complaining about who you, can you talk to Luke? She could have and ended his... it right there. Yeah, I know. Here's 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 something that I always thought, but I wasn't. But I I have no evidence that anyone else ever picked up on this or even or even that it's real. That. Um, when Wicket comes into the shot, yeah, and Han gives him the little pat on mm-hmm. the shot, the little hug, bear hug, literal bear hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I always thought that that was there to say that they will have kids, that they're going to be parents. Oh, I never. No, I know. I, you know what? There's like EU novels straight afterwards where Leia's pregnant, and maybe that's what's doing okay. it. But I always thought that was just a quick shorthand way of saying. They're going to be parents, like they're going to have hmm. uh, um, the most evil man in the galaxy as a child. Short help um, is better than no help, Hans yeah. Han says. So yeah, that that to uh, me was always him, sort of like you really were some help. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, well, they, they they would have lost without them, of course. <laughs> I re- I love the burning body send off. I think it's a great image. I do too. It does, the, but the Force Ghost doesn't make any sense. No, because. The movie's told us you have to disappear to do that. He should have disappeared. And he's evil. He may have disappeared. That's just he disappeared out of the suit. So he's just burning. He's just burning plastic. the suit. Yeah. That must that must have offended you. If the, if the right? trees. Exactly. If the knocking down of the trees, the burning Fucking of plastic in the smoke, forest. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting to me because it it, it feels like the 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 um the like the Force Ghost bit with Darth Vader already doesn't make sense. Right, Hayden Christensen doesn't help, oh, but it's yeah. already problematic. Like even before he gets there, even before it's special editioned, um, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, I really, speaking... really, really did not like seeing Hayden Christensen on that rewatch of what I. But it's like a full edition. on, full on hostile takeover of the ending by it the special is, yeah. edition. It tries to be a wrap up to the sextet, not the trilogy. Yeah, right. With showing you places and people we've not seen in this particular trilogy. Yeah. And a far worse song. So much worse. Objectively worse. Again, a terrible choice. But even that can't dispel the party atmosphere. And like you said, the other problem is uh you you're you're changing it. So you want it to not be dated, mm. but now you're changing it to the date in which you changed it. Like yeah. we were saying before with the... Bar- yeah, it sounds, it sounds like Java's something you'd... Palace. Yeah. Sounds like something from the late 90s. Ugh. Um, yeah, so we, you know, we, we get that rap party feeling, obviously. It's so satisfying in yeah, the original... Yeah, it's very satisfying. In the original trilogy. It's, it's a and, very and, you know, satisfying the... ending. And the final, you know, the final still, we, we in each movie we have that one yeah. one shot cast photo, that one the one sheet mm-hmm. um, for the ending of each film. And this feels, you know, this is the pinnacle of all of that. Oh yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's a very satisfying ending. Um, 
And that's all I have, unbelievably. Me too. But you gotta so, have a credit check. I've got have I've got an extensive credit check. I'll try I'll try and power right, through run it. Run through it as much as well as you as can. As, uh this isn't news, but the billing is all fucked up. This episode is already uh uh fifty minutes longer than the movie itself. Okay. <laughs> Rightfully so. Um but the billing is all fucked up. Sebastian Shaw getting joint billing with Ian McDermott. Yeah. Above both Jones and Prowse. Strange. I uh, I noticed Marcia Lucas's credit for the first time. And I think editing is one of the strengths of this film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she wasn't involved in the prequel trilogy. And I think that shows. Uh, there's, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but she her editing basically saved the ending of the original Star Wars. Mm. She created a whole different dimension to the ending. That wasn't there in the script, just through editing. But you can read about that. All right. Um, Kenny Baker gets burned again, gets lumped in with all the other little people. (laughs) Why is his work not acknowledged? He was in the bucket at some point. (laughs) There are a lot of Ewoks. Yeah. I I feel like we see a lot of Ewoks on screen. I feel like there are more Ewoks credited than a scene. The only interestingly, like you know, little people actors. There's like a it's a very shallow pool. <laughs> I just try to avoid saying small, uh, shallow, <laughs> shallow pool. Um, but I only recognize Tony Cox. Hmm. That was the only name I recognize. I also don't know why they're they're background and not actors. I don't know if it's a union thing, but I really oh, think they strange. should be credited as actors, not background. They absolutely should. Uh, not many movies have whole sections of their credit dedicated to mime artists. <laughs> I'll say. Um, uh, I noticed that D his processing on the special edition makes me sad that we don't get to hear what past audiences once heard. Yeah, I have right. a feeling yeah. that the sound editing was even better than it than it is mm-hmm. uh, after being remastered. The National Park Service are credited. Maybe you can help me out here. National Park Service accredited. And the Department of the Interior. I can't tell if those credits are different. Whether they're being credited separately. Oh, that's interesting. If they are separate, why is the Department of the Interior being credited? Uh, Maybe they had to sign off too. Maybe. Um, Now, the trademark at the end of the special edition doesn't include the original release date. (laughs) Oh, is it possible sake. that the special edition is so different from the original that it doesn't count as it the same film? It doesn't count as a movie anymore, or that that movie anymore. And this is honestly, this is the most deep background you will ever get in one of my credit checks. Okay, but I was still writing notes when the uh, the translation credits were coming up <laughs> on Disney Plus. Of course, you were. And for some reason, the only in Chinese, the only word that don't translate into written text are C-3PO. <laughs> Everything else is in the Chinese lettering. The symbols. But C-3PO is just C-3PO. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's R- it. R2-D2? No, not even R2-D2. Wow. Well, y- but you wouldn't need a voice actor for him, though. Yeah, that's true. I think... Uh, reads in every language agreed well we did it we did it in the literal nick of time yeah i mean uh, when you when you're hearing this you likely won't 
understand. <laughs> this is like the Beatles in the studio. Because <laughs> I think we're going to cut these up, right? I think that's yeah, the plan. Yeah, so... If I were if I were to see a podcast and see that it was three hours long, I'd think, yeah. no, I'm not going to listen to that today. And then I'd end up keep saying that for God knows how long. So I think what we'll do is uh, break these episodes up into yeah. two-parters for you, everyone. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Worth your time. But you don't have to... But they're the Star Wars to... series. We're talking the original Star Wars series, yeah. Tom. we got to give them their due credit and I time. I agree, yeah. Just, you know, you don't have to eat them all at once. Yeah. And we're going to help you do that. Yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to. So you're going to have to tell us what you think about Return of the Jedi. We're both fans. We both think this is a good movie. Some of this movie has some of our, you know, some of the great shit in the entire series. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you didn't know what you had. So. <laughs> That's where we stand, and we're drawing our line in the sand. Where are you? Find us on Facebook, we're Instagram. We're in the pit. Yeah. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye, Tom. That guy's wise. <laughs> nice. Followed by... Oh, no, 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 no. No? What's the follow-up? I don't know. Well, I always thought it was more than I am short. What? When when they, they're they looking at C-3PO, it says, that guy's wise. And then the other Ewok says, more than I am short. Oh. But if you go by Star Wars Minute, they've concluded that one of them says, that guy's wise. And then the other one says, Martin Short. <laughs> I prefer I prefer mine because it actually makes sense. That's amazing. You look back; they are speaking in English. That is that is not alien language dialogue. That is that is not ALD. It is ELD. ELD. I'm gonna have to go back yeah. now. Huh. All right. What a funky way to end. <laughs> so long everyone that's what they said about the Ewoks yeah when you hear us next time we'll be pitching sequels god help us <laughs> it's the role I was born to play baby <laughs> you bet she's smoking for two <laughs> alright so long I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. 
They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beer. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.